This is Scott Bryan, and I'd like to thank you for listening to Season 1 of the Ghostology Podcast. This will be our final episode for Season 1. We've had a great time bringing you stories of real paranormal events and also discussing ghostly topics. We ask you to please subscribe to the Ghostology Podcast so you can automatically be notified when we begin to release new episodes for Season 2. And now, our final episode of Season 1 of the Ghostology Podcast. Hello, my name is Scott Bryan, and I would like to welcome you to this next episode of the Ghostology Podcast. I am here today with two members of the Southeast Idaho Paranormal Organization. I am Cheyenne Ashman. And I am Kevin Bowerman. We're going to be talking today about one of our absolute top 10 best investigations over a decade that we have been doing paranormal investigations. And this location was called the Great Western Warehouse and is located here in Idaho Falls, Idaho. And we had some incredible experiences there where we captured not only sounds, but we also captured video and even a photograph that we'll be posting on ghostology.com that you can go and see for yourself. Is anyone there? We want to make contact with you. We want to share your story. We're going to seek the truth no matter where we find it. Everyone's got a ghost story. I'd like to tell you mine. And the look on his face was a look of shock. First thing I did was go over to him and say, are you okay? I want you to breathe. Welcome to Ghostology. And as I said, we're going to be bringing you today our investigation of the Great Western Warehouse in Idaho Falls, Idaho. So this was September of 2018, and the Southeast Idaho Paranormal Organization was asked to participate in the annual Haunted History Tour of the Museum of Idaho. So, Kevin, I actually remember that we were disappointed when we were given the warehouse as an investigation location because we were supposed to do another place. Yeah, we were supposed to do the uh, O.E. Bell Building, which at one point in time originally was a junior high school, and then it sat vacant for years, and then it turned into business offices, and now it's back into a school. And it's something that I personally still want to get into. I still want to go investigate that place. There are so many stories about it and so much history with it. I just think it would be amazing. Right. And we weren't able, there was some difficulties. Basically, we couldn't get in there. And so the museum found this alternate location, the Great Western Warehouse. And at first, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't even know if there was a history of haunts. But we did go, uh, we talked to the owner. And what was really interesting was we found there was a long history of hauntings at this location, especially the woman in white. First off, you have to understand this is a warehouse. So when you walk in, there's a lot of air open area. There's a lot of food sitting on the shelves, you know, that you're going around. And uh, there's multiple levels to this place. So the story with the woman in white is um, about the middle of the main floor. There's a staircase that actually goes up to a loft. And the story is 
that this woman in white goes up and down the stairs and around part of the loft. Right. And she has been seen by multiple people. She has not only been seen by just the owner or just even his family, because they have seen it too. The one I found the most interesting was when you told me about the delivery driver that saw her. Do you remember that? Right, exactly. Um, He had owned the building for over 10 years at that time. And he was saying that when he first bought the building, there was a delivery guy that came in and their office is towards the front of the building. The delivery driver takes some things to the back, comes to the office and he says, hey, is that your wife back there? And he's like, what are you talking about? My wife isn't here. And that's when he began to talk about, he just saw a woman on the stairs dressed in white walking up into the loft. And it wasn't just that either, because I I did interview him. And what we found out was that this woman in white has been seen for over decades. It was like in the 1950s, this place was actually a creamery. The owner had talked to one of the original security guards at the creamery from, again, the 1950s. And they had all seen this woman in white. So I don't know how long she has been haunting the location, but it really seems like it's at least from the 1950s, if not before. So the day came for our investigation, and we walked into the building, looking around. My first impression was it was kind of a creepy place. Yeah, I agree. It was really creepy, and all the noises and stuff. What do you mean by noises? Uh, I heard a lot of creaking from upstairs when we first got there. Oh, right. And that upstairs was kind of interesting because one of the worries we had was not about ghosts. It was actually about transients who might be in the building. Yeah. At one point in time, when you go up into the loft at the far right hand side of it, there's a ladder that actually goes up into the attic area. They had told us that they had had to chase homeless people out of there before. And I remember going up, it was really creepy too, because you go up this ladder and then there's like a mattress up there. You can tell somebody's been up there. Yeah, I didn't want to get attacked by, you know, a hobo that night. You know, and my biggest concern, honestly, with how wide of an area and how big of an area was just doing the setup on all our equipment. You know, I mean, I was trying to find out the best angles to put cameras to cover the most area. Because we're, we're limit, we were limited on the amount of cameras we had at then. Right, exactly. And this place was absolutely huge. I mean... It was almost like two buildings combined, It remember? was. Yeah, absolutely. It was. And in fact, uh, for our listeners, uh, this is a little hard to describe, but there were two basements. So, And there were kind of two main areas. So you had the original kind of rectangular warehouse, and that was the first. But then off to the left, you had... And I don't want to say new because it wasn't new. It was very old, but it was an addition to the building. And then we have a second basement that we're going to be talking about quite a bit. That second basement, we are just going to be calling the old cellar. And it's because we believe that at one time it was actually a potato cellar. So we did finally get everything set up. Uh, We didn't have nearly enough equipment to get everything covered, but... No, we didn't have enough equipment to cover every square inch. But that's why you ended up taking that camera. The whole time that I was doing setup, you were off snapping, I don't know how many pictures. I think you told me you ended up with something like 300 pictures. Oh, I think it was more than that. I think it was close to 500, I think. By the end of the night, you're, you yeah. are correct. In that initial part while you guys were setting up, I was just around just clicking pictures like crazy. 
didn't feel anything, didn't feel creeped out or anything at that time when I was doing it. After we got everything set up, the rest of our investigators showed up. We split up into our groups and we started doing the investigation. It was a big building, so we had quite a few investigators oh, that night. Oh, we must have had 15 people there. Yeah, I think it was about And we 15. were doing groups of two or three. I think whoever went down to the cellar had three. So, Cheyenne, mm-hmm. do you remember the first thing when we started the investigation that you felt that may have been paranormal in some way? I do remember it was right after Natalie and Kenya showed up. We all, we went to go show them the cellar and the light downstairs was turned on. But if I remember, it had been turned off before we went upstairs. Yeah, we turned it on to set up the stuff downstairs. And then we turned that light off because, of course, we wanted to make sure the uh, IR, the infrared, actually worked real good where we had it. We didn't need to adjust anything. And we left the light off. You're right. I'd forgotten about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I remember we all like came back and we were like, wasn't that light off? Who turned that on? And Nobody could figure out why it was back on. Now, I know throughout the night, we use what is known as a K2 meter. A lot of paranormal investigators try to look for EMF or electromagnetic fields, or we believe that ghosts have the ability to interact with these fields. These EMF meters are great tools because they have a light. The light can go up and down, and we can ask questions if there's any entities there to move the lights, to just interfere with those magnetic fields. And it's just a way of communication. But I remember early on, especially in that cellar area, uh, we had quite a bit of success. It wasn't just one person. I mean, I know I had my son Reyes there. We had another investigator, Ken. They were having quite a bit of success. Anytime we go do an investigation, I grab one of those K2 meters And I walk around every ounce of the place we're investigating because I'm looking for areas that will affect the K2 meter. And I don't mean areas of paranormal. I mean, if there's open conduit in the wall, it will affect it. And there was one area downstairs in this cellar that we stayed away from. It was only about a two by three foot square But whenever we were over there, the K2 meter just went crazy. So Scott and I figured that must have been some kind of conduit there. That was the only place we did not do any kind of investigation because we knew we could not trust our results at that point. So the cellar was pretty dry and very, very cold. Not cold enough that you could see your breath, but definitely still pretty chilly. I know my first time walking down, it seemed like the room had so many people in there. I felt like I was backed into a corner and it just seemed like everybody was in my face, despite nobody being down there but me. And so during the investigation, uh, there was a few strange things that happened. Nadley, uh, one of our investigators, felt like she had kind of been brushed or touched. Like she she kept on talking about cobwebs, if I remember right. And then there was the original basement in the original warehouse that we actually don't talk about a ton but we did get some hits on the K2 meter there. I do remember that. And But the thing is, it I, I remember that because I was down there. It was strange because I had already walked around that whole place and we had gotten no interference anywhere. There was some old giant freezers. Right. And uh, they were using them for storage. And there was one, at least three, if not four or more of them in a row. 
And uh, as we were going through asking questions, I would stop because I would get a hit on that meter. And I would ask another question, and I might get one more hit, and I might not, and it would go away. And I'd ask two or three questions, it'd go away. And then I'd go down to the next freezer, and I would start getting answers again. And then I'd go to the next freezer, and it just kept moving. It's like it was walking away from me. And there were certain members of our team that thought they saw shadows in those old freezers. And then we were walking around, and I remember you saying that you felt like it was hard to breathe. Mm -hmm. I was uh, standing there with them, and we were just asking a couple questions to the K2 meter, and my hair got tugged pretty hard. At least once, if not more. I think it happened a couple times, two or three, maybe even four times while we were down there. When we got done with the investigation, I was excited because it wasn't like we had seen a ghost or anything like that, but there had been enough kind of just personal experiences that I did believe there was some activity. I will say, though, once we got into the review of our recordings and evidence, I was shocked at what we found. Yes. Um, In fact, I was at home, and I get a text message from Scott, and he's like, check your email. You have to see this. So I, I go into my email, and I pull it up, and he has sent me a picture of the warehouse. I start looking at the picture, and I'm not seeing anything. So I actually called him, and I said, okay, so you sent me a picture of the warehouse. I'm not seeing what you're, what you're talking about. And his response to me was just, make it bigger. I'll be honest, my wife was standing behind me at this point in time because I was sitting down at the computer and I made it bigger and started looking around. And I get to one point, my wife, who was standing behind me, says, oh, and I'll let you fill in the blank because it shocked her. My eyes go wide and straight right there looking over the box is a face. And I don't mean it might be a face. I don't mean... It's hazy. I mean, it is, to me, it was clear as a bell. I, you could see the eyes. You could see the outline of the nose. You could see the mouth. It is a face. Nobody was up there at that point in time because we were still doing setup. Now, I remember finding that image, and I had a very similar reaction. I was going through all these images I had snapped. I re- just remember blowing up that picture, then all of a sudden this face was just right there looking over the boxes. And I literally almost fell out of my chair as well. Yeah, and I took that picture, and I actually showed my daughter over here, Cheyenne, the uh, picture. Do you remember what your what the first words out of your mouth were? Uh, yeah, but I don't think they're safe for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Who do we think this is? Or, or I mean, we had a lot of discussion over right. we, what this is. Yeah, we, we still are not 100% sure. Because unlike the story of the woman in white, there's no, it, this is just a face. So it, there's no, there's no hat. There's no anything. Right. And it by all, the picture, it could be a man. Right. Or a woman. Yeah, I guess the only thing I can say about that is we captured that image in the same area where the woman in white supposedly haunts. Whether this face is a man or a woman, we don't know. The image had to be greatly enhanced, and so it is a little pixelated, and therefore, you know, details about it are a little bit fuzzy, and you just got to remember that. 
Now, for most investigations, just finding that image would make it an incredible investigation. We found a lot more when we were reviewing our video. So in the cellar, so again, the, the secondary basement that was probably a potato cellar at one time, we had put down some cameras uh, down there, just standard tape cameras. Here, I kind of got to go back that a psychic had gone through uh, the building as well. Now, when she got to the cellar, uh, she had a very strong reaction. So what she had found was that the cellar had been used as a speakeasy in the 1920s and that they were having like a party down there, which I think is where that feeling for me of all the people down there being came from was all that energy being down there. And she also said that not only was it a party, they were playing music. And that is where we come back to our review. Because I'm reviewing uh, this camera. So nothing ever appeared on the camera. But on the audio, all of a sudden, there is, it's only like about five seconds. It's not long, but there is this music. And it sounds like like 1920s music that she would hear like in a speakeasy, just like the psychic said. You know, psychics for me, I believe that there is psychic ability. I believe there's even scientific evidence that kind of shows that. But I am highly skeptic of psychics. They have to be a really good psychic before I will believe. But we go down there and we catch this old time music from the 1920s that may have been coming from like a bar, a speakeasy, a restaurant. We didn't know what the psychic had found out. So when we found it, honestly, Scott was floored at that point in time. And I think that's the point in time where you finally started thinking, okay, maybe Liz does have something. Liz being the psychic. Right. But again, that was not the only thing we found. It was, there was three people in the basement. It was Scott. It was Christina. And it was Natalie. I was not there at this point in time. We were in the back of the old cellar. Natalie begins to pick up on a male presence. And so she's just asking questions about, are you here? And all of a sudden, the K2 meter just starts going off like a Christmas tree. If you've never worked with a K2 meter, it's got like five lights. Obviously, the further it goes up, the stronger the magnetic force, the electromagnetic force. And so she is getting like some hits and it's going up, you know, three lights and then four. And then she starts asking specific questions and then it just starts hitting red. And at that point, if you remember correctly, you talked to Christina and said, Christina, bring the camera closer. I want to make sure the camera is not what's right. setting this off. Right. I was getting excited. So I, Christina, another member of our group had the camera and uh, this is a handheld, just kind of like handy cam with night vision. So, yeah, the only lights we had were off of kind of different instruments we had down there. So our audio recorders, if they had a little red tiny light that said it's working or a camera had a little red light, that was the only source of light that would, you know, shine on anything. But so basically it was pitch black, but I knew and I could see that Natalie was getting a lot of success. So I go over to Christina and I'm just like, Make sure you're filming. Make sure you get us in frame. Don't miss this. So it lasted for a few minutes, and then it went away just like 
you know, just like it was all night long. It was the same experience with other investigators. Get some hits on our K2 meter. It seems like someone's trying to communicate with us. And then it'd just go away. So later, of course, I'm doing the film review. And that was, I think, one of the last things I did was that handheld camera. But then all of a sudden, I noticed this big mist that just came into frame. I reviewed it, and I was absolutely, again, shocked. In the frame, when Natalie starts talking, the K2 meter starts going off. I'm telling Christina, hey, make sure you you get us filmed. And then, of course, none of us saw it because it was pitch black. But a mist comes up from the bottom of the, of the frame and then just passes by uh, all of us. Now, at first, I thought, oh, this has got to be Christina's breath. But Cheyenne's already told us you couldn't see your breath down there. You could not. And I even tried to see my breath down there, and I couldn't. Like, for as cold as it was, it just wouldn't show up. Yeah, and then upon closer review... Because if you remember correctly, what you finally said, there's no way that's breath, is because Natalie is in view. Natalie is talking and asking these questions, and there's no breath coming. You can't see any breath coming out of her mouth. Exactly. And yeah. the amount of mist that was there, the only way somebody could have done that, as you and I have discussed, is if they were laying on the floor. Because Christina was not holding it up by her face. She was holding it down about the middle of her body. Right. It was about chest level. Yeah. The only way somebody could have done that is if they were on their knees underneath it, smoking. Right. Yeah. Someone had to have been smoking a cigarette, and Christine doesn't smoke. The Great Western Warehouse was one of our most incredible investigations. I keep on thinking about that night and the three main pieces of paranormal evidence that we captured. I'm not sure which one is better. Each one has characteristics that I can't explain. I can't explain it either. And believe me, as the skeptic, I've tried. The one for me was the face out of nowhere. That's the one that made me, I, I cannot explain it because I knew every person who, who was in that building and I knew where they were. And not one person was in that loft when, we, when that happened. For me, I can't get over the music because of what I felt in the basement. It definitely felt like there was a lot of energy and just wasn't necessarily negative energy that I felt, but it was just a lot of it. And having Liz, the psychic, predict the music and the speakeasy down there kind of just solidified that for me. Yeah. And for me, because I guess, you know, because I was there, that missed video... I still think about it to this day, and it's been many years, uh, just because I know that no one was smoking. I know that we couldn't see our breath. It was incredibly cold down there, but it was so dry, there was no moisture in the air for our breath to do anything. There was no air movement in that basement. There was no air movement no. in that basement. I mean, it was like a tomb. It was, and you, It was very stale and stagnant. Right. And then just the fact that it's not just random. We don't just get random mist. It's like right at that moment, Natalie has made contact with something down there. And our K2 meter at the same time is going off like a Christmas tree. What is the statistic probability that all of a sudden at the exact same time our K2 meter is going off, Natalie's feeling something, and also we have this mist that no one can produce and no one was smoking at the time passes our lens. So for me, that was really incredibly solid uh, paranormal evidence. 
We'd like to thank everyone for listening to this episode of the Ghostology Podcast. I'm Scott. I'm Cheyenne. And I'm Kevin. This is the Ghostology Podcast, wherever you find podcasts. And if you've liked what you heard today, please give us a five-star rating and recommend us to your friends. We'd like to thank you for listening to this final episode of Season 1 of the Ghostology Podcast. In the future, we will bring you Season 2, though it may be a few months away. Until then, we invite you to listen to the episodes of Season 1 as many times as you like. And please subscribe to our Ghostology podcast so that you'll be automatically notified when we begin to release new episodes in Season 2. But thank you for listening, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.